to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. We'll be reading from there, starting with verse 7. This is stories about Moses when uh, he went up on the mountain and he was getting the Ten Commandments. And then uh, when he came down, he saw the people sinning. Sometimes I wonder if we're any different like that too, you know. The Lord leads us out of Egypt or leads us out of sin. And then we go back and after he's taken care of us, back to our old ways. This is a good lesson for all of us. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people indeed. It is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, that I may consume them. And I will make you a great nation. Then the Lord, then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. So uh, Steve will be talking about this tonight, and uh, so would you bow your heads with me at this time? Our Heavenly Father, we're humble grateful that we can be here as your, your people. Thank you, Father, for bringing us out of the land of sin and, and brought us into your marvelous light, Father, in your way. Father, you provided a way for us to get to a promised land which waits each and every one of us. That time may be short and it may be long, but Father, help us prepare our souls that we can be ready when the time comes. Thank you, Father, for the provisions that you provided for us, for taking care of us, for giving us our health, our families, our shelter, our food, our families. We thank you for everything. And most of all, thank you for Jesus Christ who bore, the, bore our sins upon the, on the cross. Father, we love you so much and we give you thanks for everything. We know that you're a great God and, and you take care of everyone. Father, we continue that you would be with this church here at LaGrange. And Father, help us to serve you uh, forgive us of our sins, our past sins, and Father, help us to look forward and not backward to uh, what you need us to do, Father. Again, Father, we ask that you be with Steve tonight as he brings the word to us. Bless him, his family, and help them, Father, to uh, be a good uh, mouthpiece for you. Father, we again pray for our country, the United States. We pray for uh, all the world, Father, that we'll get along together and be kind. Uh, again, Father, we thank you for this time that we can worship you in spirit and truth. 
and we humbly ask and pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Good morning, or good evening. What is it? Is it evening? It's evening. All right, it's a little dark up here. Um, forgive the light show. We already tried that, Dennis. Hopefully, can you guys see me okay? Was someone complaining about the light coming off of my head? They sabotaged the lights. I could come down there. I really wasn't sure. Um, got a couple head shakes that no, you can't see me. Okay. That's okay. Someone can see me. That's good. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those uh, iffy things. It is a little dark up here. Um, so that's one vote for come on down, clearly. All right. Fair enough. We'll do it that way. I don't like being in an elevated position. All right, I don't want to double mic because that could get, okay. All right, we're, we're down here tonight. Okay, um, this evening I want to ask a strange question, and you don't need to answer out loud, okay? But does God have feelings? <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's one of those things where um, I don't think, in my history of being in the church, we haven't really talked about whether God has feelings. We read tonight about when God brought the people out of Egypt, and while he was giving them the laws in, in Exodus chapter 32, they raised up a calf. Aaron raised up a calf, and he said, look, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. And, you know, if when uh, Jesse graduates from high school or from college, I hope he doesn't get up and say, I just want to thank Wayne Poe for making all this possible. <laughs> that would hurt my feelings. Because I'm the one that sat with him in the middle of the night, did all those things, spent all those years worrying about him. That would hurt me. But it's hard to think of God having bad feelings. Does God get so mad that he wants to just kill someone? Yeah, well, I'm not sure everybody's comfortable with that, but if you read your Bible a lot, you'll find out God does have emotions. And I'm just going to run through a few of those today. So if you didn't bring your Bible, repent, thank you. Repent for not bringing your Bible. And we're going to be going through quite a, a few verses tonight. I may cut some, cut some of them out, but get ready to speed turn in your Bible. If you're a finger licker, that's disgusting, but go ahead and get ready as we flip through pages. Everybody knows, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Let's take it from the beginning here. This is one of those things that when we study it, 
we're kind of like, well, that must mean something else. The word, if you want to know the nerdy uh, theologian word for this, it's called an anthropopathism. Oh, those guys are dumb. Anthropopathism means God... Surely, when God has emotions, the reason they use the word anthropopathism, it means shaping emotions to look like those of men. And what we're going to look at tonight is, while there is a qualitative difference in the feelings God has and the feelings we have, I think that is one of the marks of being made in the image of God. I truly believe that there is a, a huge difference between the emotions animals feel and the emotion I feel, although Animal Planet would have you believe otherwise. There's something different about the love I have for my children than the love a father gorilla has for his gorilla children. There's something different going on there because we are made in the image of God. They are not. Our relationships, I don't want to get into animal behavior, so let's just move on. So in Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5, you guys all know this story, Noah and the ark. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. People go, well, that must mean, I thought God knew everything. I thought God could see the future. I thought God was omnipotent. First of all, the word omnipotent is not in your Bible. It's in the works of Plato. So you can throw that, or omniscient. That's also in the works of Plato. You can throw those words out the window. Those just aren't biblical words. I'm not saying God isn't. I'm saying those words don't come from the Bible. My Bible says God regretted that he had made man. And you can say that's an anthropopathism. but that's so hard to say. Or you can say this is what God is trying to tell me about himself. And this whole book is God trying to tell us about himself so that we can be closer and the weird emotion there is, can God regret? Well, again, if we're trying to analyze God in a way that we can describe Him to other people with 100% accuracy, we're going to be 100% wrong in who God is. You will never be able to describe God with 100% accuracy to someone you meet on the street. The only way to understand God is to know Him. So we put God in a pocket saying, well, God can't feel regret because God is omniscient. There's no biblical evidence for that. And you need to think about what you're saying before you say it. And we're going to look at some more verses here. Um, this, is, this is the only time I'm going to look in the Psalms. Go to Psalm 11. There's lots of things I could have gone to in the Psalms. But I want to try to keep it out of the Psalms because you could make the argument well, the Psalms are really just songs, and so we shouldn't really take anything here too, too literally, Steve. Okay, fine. But I do just want to read this one. Psalm uh, 
chapter 7, verse 11, in the middle of this psalm, there's this isolated stanza in verse 11. It doesn't really uh, connect directly with the rest of the song, but it talks about God's anger and um, how we need to repent. It says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Indignation. What is indignation? Indignation is, I can't believe you've done this. What? God, this suggests God is surprised by the way we act sometimes. Genesis chapter 6 strongly suggests, it doesn't strongly suggest, it says that God is su- surprised by the things we do. We read earlier, or Fred read, about Exodus, uh, in Exodus 32. We just talked about that at the beginning, where God is giving the people stuff, and they say, this, is, this cow is who brought you out of Egypt. God was surprised. What does God say? Moses, get out of the way, I'm going to kill him. It's literally, well, not literally, that's a summary of what it says. Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to kill these people, and I'll start over with you. What does Moses have to do? Moses talks him out of it. Read through the rest of that story. Moses says, God, don't kill them. So is is Moses more level-headed than God? It's a tough question. Why is God so hot-headed that He's ready to destroy all of His chosen people and start over with Moses? Is God hot-headed? He's not. God is sending a message to us through His Word that God has a great depth of love and a great depth of feeling, the, the anger that God feels, the, if you read the Bible cover to cover, is only the flip side of the depth of God's love for us. When you choose to love someone, you give that person power to break your heart. If you have a deep relationship with someone, if you have children, You know those children, your wife, your husband. The deeper the love you have for someone, the more power they have to really, really hurt you. And so God is not hot-headed. God's love for us is bigger than the universe. When we hurt God, It hurts God deeper than you and I can be hurt because we don't love anyone that much. This is why we're going through a lot of verses. I'm going to try to make a case for all this as we continue to go on. All right, you ready? Uh, Romans 1. Let's go to the New Testament because Steve, he's too much in the Old Testament. God's not the God of the Old Testament. That's not true, by the way. It's the same God. 
Paul's talking about, well, you had your pagan ways before, but you need to change that. Romans 1, starting in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. I actually am going to stop there. The truth of God, who God is, everything about God is given to us. We can know everything about God, but we have to go to the source. We have to go to the words that He's inspired. We have to go to our knees in prayer. And according to Paul here, we have to look at the world around us. All these are revelations from God. The most important revelation on earth was the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was the chosen Christ. That's the only way we get to know God, but people want to blur the truth so that they can spread their unrighteousness. Now, even God, this is again the wrath of God. Why is God angry? Surely God is about love, and we just talked about that. Yes, God is about love, Wrath is not the opposite of love. It's the flip side of love. Apathy is the opposite of love. I don't care. That's the universe that we're being told exists. The universe is billions and billions of galaxies. Each galaxy has billions of stars. We are but a tiny blue speck in an ocean of nothing. That's my Carl Sagan impression, for those of you who know who he is. That's not true. That is just not true. God's love for us is big, and therefore His wrath is big. Surely in the relationships you have, you see that. The more you love your children, the more they can hurt you. The more you love your wife or your husband, the more they can hurt you. And what happens in marriages? When people start hurting each other is they start building up those walls of apathy. Right? I'm not going to let you hurt me anymore. God never does that. Even though God does have wrath, there is a difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of us. You guys know this one, but let's turn to James. Chapter 1, this has even got a star next to it in my Bible. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. How many times have I read that? Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's a difference between your selfish wrath because, you're, because your feelings got hurt and God's wrath because of the depth of love He has for you. God's wrath is not wanting you to get yours to prove that you can't hurt Him. God, God has the power to destroy us at any time. He doesn't need to prove anything. 
God's wrath is just a reflection of his love. Again, I'm just reading verses here. Feel free to disagree with me. You'd be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, real quick one, Judges chapter 2. It's easy to go from... Okay. Um, this is God's explanation of why there were judges. Why were there judges? Well, let's read about that. Starting in verse 16. <clears throat> um, then the Lord raised up judges who saved his people out of the hand of those who plundered. This is after Joshua dies. Yet they did not listen to the judges, for they whored after other gods. Hang on a second. Yeah, I'm good. Um, okay. And bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord. And they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For and Why did God do this? Because... The Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. And again, you'll see this at the beginning of Exodus. Whenever God's people suffer, it says, well, we can just, we're going to be flipping around a lot, and I really didn't uh, think we would go there. Um, but at the beginning, um, Exodus chapter 2, verse 25 when God saw the suffering His people were going through, it says, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. That word there, yada, is the same word that's used that Adam knew his wife. It means God had a deep emotional connection to His people. When they suffered, He suffered. Again, God's emotion is tied to God's perfect loving nature. And we don't have to turn there. John 3.16. Hopefully you guys know this. For God so... Let's do... Well, different translations. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why God sent His Son. He was moved by His love for us to send His Son. I need to cut it off at this point. But we can look at, in the Ten Commandments, why does God say, um, you can go to Exodus 20. Um, I was going to be looking at verses 4 to 6. The reason why God says, don't make carved images of me, is because I am a jealous God. And I remember famously... Someone talking about, I just can't believe in a God who's jealous. 
Well, why? Why does your God not have to be jealous? I tell you, if my wife starts having dinner at some other guy's house, I'm going to be jealous. Not because I'm petty, but because I love my wife. Not because I'm afraid of being hurt, but because I want to be her husband. She was promised to me. That doesn't make me petty. That makes me loving. I submit, if you are not jealous, you don't love your wife. There's nothing wrong with the fact that God is jealous. God's jealousy is tied directly to His love for us. Of course He would be jealous. If He didn't care, then that means He doesn't love. All right. Matthew 26, 38. I'm skipping a bunch here just in the sake of time. Remember when Jesus, let's turn there. When Jesus on the night when he was betrayed and he's getting ready, he knows he's going to be tortured to death after a sleepless night. He knows he's not going to sleep tonight. He knows this. Matthew 26 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus, God in the flesh, experienced sorrow and trouble, anxiety. Anxiety doesn't mean you're broken. I'm not going to get into anxiety tonight. I've talked about it in other sermons. A feeling is different than a choice. But of course he felt troubled when he knew he was going to be tortured to death the next day. And he said to his friends, verse 38, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He just needed someone to be with him. And that's one of the things that makes us in the image of God. Sometimes we just need people around us that love us, that we can love back. And now we're getting into the deepest mysteries of God. So why have I spent all evening talking about this? Well, I haven't said this in a long time. I used to say it a lot, but... It's because we need to grow up. We've been talking about the law of liberty and uh, what that means, why, how that changes why we do what we do. It changes the nature of what it means to walk away from God. It's not about breaking the rules. It's about the relationship that you have with God. We're talking about God's emotion because we need to have that in our mind so that we can live in the freedom of the gospel. So, here's a question. You guys answered the first one very well. Does God have emotions? The answer is, of course, yes. The second question is, What is sin? Why is it wrong to sin? 
And this is the part where we need to grow up. And if you've been in our class on Wednesday night, we've been talking about the old law was for babies. You're not a baby anymore. If you're my daughter's age, I expect your answer to why is it wrong? Why is it bad to do something to your brother? I expect her answer to be somewhere along the lines of because I'll get in trouble. But I would hope that as my kids get older, when I say, why is it wrong to hurt your sister? The answer would be, because my sister loves me and I love her. That's the grown-up answer. If you can't walk in the peace and joy of Jesus, knowing that Christ has made you perfect, you're being a baby. And you need to grow up. We don't avoid sin so that God won't get us. Jesus already paid for that. God's not going to get us. That's not why we do God's will. We do God's will because if we don't, it hurts Him. And why would I want to hurt the one that made me and gave his life for me and who blesses me every day, why would I want to hurt him? And if I'm the kind of person who doesn't care about whether or not I hurt him, then I do not abide in him. And therefore, sin is of no consequence. That's the grown-up thing that we're supposed to understand. I don't do God's will or because I'm afraid He'll get me. I do God's will because He loves me and because I don't want to hurt Him. And God, being the perfect Father, has given us the ability to hurt Him to a depth that you and I cannot be hurt. And that is why I'm going to abide with my Father and become like the Son because I'm growing up. And I'm not going to live in a world for oh, I've got to make sure I don't step over here or I get my hand slapped. God's not going to slap my hand anymore. It's not about how far I can get to the line. It's about how close can I be to God because He loves me and I don't want to hurt Him. Why the creator of the universe should give me the power to hurt him is something I cannot fully understand, but it's something for which I am grateful. That's it. I was going to read a verse. Let's read this and then we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 4. Maybe this will put this in some context that maybe we didn't have before because I've read this many times. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only the things that are good for building up and that are appropriate to the occasion so that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption.
grieving the Holy Spirit, did we even think of what that means? That means God chose to live in us. And when we don't care, when we just keep doing what we're doing, we're grieving the Spirit of God. The words mean exactly what you think they mean. It's not a special use of the word grieve. We're causing Him emotional pain. The likes of which you and I have probably not felt. And that is why we live in the freedom of knowing that God loves us. We don't live in fear that we're going to get our hand slapped or our bottom spanked. We live in the freedom of being near Christ and we do the right thing because God loves us. If you need prayers of the church, if you want to talk about God's love for you, if you're not a Christian and you want to be part of God's family, come forward right now while we stand, while we sing this song.